Hello, everybody. And welcome to Reviews from the Crawl Space, where we do this thing. Episode 49 of this thing. <laughs> we review three albums from an inherited vinyl collection, and we, we review those three albums at random. Yes. In that we don't particularly stack any sort of, we just pull them out and listen to them whether we want to or not. And let it be whatever it Exa is. Exactly. Because honestly, if we were picking them out and doing it as we wanted to, this would be a really short show. This would be our last episode. This would be, this would be it. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about that. <laughs> okay, so on today's show, what do you got? We have The Doors, 13. Mm -hmm. Bob Dylan, Highway 61 Revisited. Oh. Super Tramp, Famous Last Words. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, the last few episodes have been somewhat fun to do. Yeah, it's just nice when you have some, like I was actually talking about this with my parents, that we actually have had almost one album and episode somewhere in the top 500 of all time. Mm -hmm. Like we're into a stretch of just there's at least something great or at least really good every episode now. And this one's it no different. did not start out that way, though. Holy there shit. is one stinker. Oh, yeah, one we, stinker. We but won't tell you which one it is right now. Spoiler alert. But yeah. you'll find out soon. Stick around. Okay, so, 13, The Doors. Okay, The Doors. The Doors were an American band formed in Los Angeles in 1965. They're one of the most controversial acts of the 60s, mostly due to Jim Morrison, his lyrics, his erratic and strange stage persona. And in spite of all that, the band was considered an important part of the counterculture of the era. It's weird. That's just sort of slowly roll there, but it's weird they didn't strange... Very sexual. How can you not mention that? It was his performance was very sexual. Well, he thought so anyway. But uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry Wagon is Willie at the at the audience. Yeah. Okay. Sir, I'm, I gotta break in here, and it's stuff I gotta save for later. But yes, if time travel was ever possible, this is one of the bands. Yes. I, I have to go and see. I, totally I have agree. to. I have to go see them at like the Whiskey a Go Go, or go and see one of these performances where and see how it actually is. Yes, I totally agree with you. <laughs> okay. I thought about this as we were listening to this album, and as I was writing this stuff up. Yeah. I thought the exact same thing. Yeah, we've got to go. It's one of the ones on the list. You see those posts on Twitter all the time. Which band would you bring back or which who would you go yeah. see if you could? And yeah. the doors. Yeah, for me, it's like this time travel. And you, yeah. you know, just go back and observe. This is definitely one of the... Sorry, continue. That's okay. <laughs> so they, they named themselves The Doors um, after a, a book that Aldous Huxley wrote yeah. called The Doors of Perception. Mm -hmm. And this book was about his experience with mescaline so that tells you a little bit about yeah <laughs> what was going on with these guys grounded um i've got you off your game now <laughs> the door 13 was their first compilation album released in 1970 it went platinum in both the u.s and canada it's called 13 because it includes 13 classic door songs it's the band's only compilation album released while Jim Morrison was still alive. Mm -hmm. um, this was released in 70, and he died July of 71. The album debuted at number 75 on the Billboard charts, peaked at number twi 25 for two weeks, and then it was gone. Come on, get him out of here. Um, it's never been issued on a CD. 
Yeah, that's okay. And there's other compilations now, and probably more complete ones. But yeah, that's that's weird that this is one that did not make it uh, make it out there. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, the band didn't want to do it. It was no. the studio's idea, and um, we wanted out for Christmas. Yeah, so they could make some money. Yeah, yeah it's just a total. Everything about this is a total cash grab. But and the thing that really, really kind of a, amazes me is that they they came together in '65. Mm-hmm. He died in '71. Mm-hmm. So in six years, listen to this. Nine studio albums, live five, five live albums, 21 compilations, 21 singles, two soundtracks, 24 videos, eight box sets, and 23 archive albums. Yeah, imagine what a wild ride that six years would be. Well, and these guys from this band are probably still living off royalties from, oh. Oh, hell yeah. never from then, to, given all of this. You never have to work another day in your life. Crazy stuff. Ah, okay. Did you give us a song? Uh, track title or track listing? Yeah, in a sec. Oh, sorry, I thought uh, you were there. The producer was Paul Rothschild, Paul okay. A. Rothschild, who we've talked about before, yeah. um, just recently, actually. Seems familiar. He's a prominent American record producer of the 60s and 70s, known for his work with The Doors. He also produced Janis Joplin's last album, Pearl, oh, okay. which That's, we have reviewed yeah. already. Um, he's also yeah. worked with Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, Rhinoceros, which oh. is another album that yeah. we've already... Um, reviewed and Bonnie Raitt. Hmm. The track listing is phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> it's Light My Fire, People Are Strange, Backdoor Man, Moonlight Drive, The Crystal Ship, Roadhouse Blues on the first side. Side two is Touch Me, Love Me Two Times, Your Lost Little Girl, Hello I Love You, Land Ho, Wild Child, and The Unknown Soldier. The band, uh, or the album time, was 43 minutes and 59 seconds. And to put this album in context, um, Absolutely Live was released in 1970, just before this one, and L.A. Woman was released in 1971. And when I did check, it was released three months before Jim Morrison died. Yeah. L.A. Woman. L.A. Woman, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's one of those ones. I, it's weird. It's a cash grab. But up until that point, there was no just compilation. So, is it, like, I'm surprised with you. We talked about this earlier that it wasn't bigger on the charts. I mean, yeah, yeah, that it not that it was stayed... hard, hard to find the doors, but yeah, 21 because it's full of hits, like yeah, full you, of them. Yeah, and, and that's what that's what is funny because I had never listened to this album before. And when we first put it on, I'm like, what, what fucking album is this? And then I didn't, it was like right away, it's like, oh, it's a compilation yeah. because everything's a fucking hit on here. Yeah. There's no way this album exists as a, an album by itself. So it makes sense. But yeah, uh, in terms of if you're looking for radio hits, now it doesn't have anything like the end, like in the, the heady... Riders on the Storm. Riders on the Storm. Doesn't Love ha- Her Madly is yeah, another one. Doesn't have that- her stuff like that. So 13 of their 21 hits, I guess. Yeah, and these ones are all digestible in terms of, like, radio hits. They're all three, two, three, four, maybe, minutes long. Aside from Light My Fire. Uh, it's the, the longest track. one yeah. Yeah, yeah. on the record. Yeah, and uh, I'm just going to look at my notes here. Yeah, it just it's a great compilation of radio-friendly hits, and I agree with you. Uh, when we're listening to it, you're like, why don't we listen to more of The Doors? Yes. Yeah, and more of the other stuff, too. Yeah, I'm going to go find a playlist on Spotify that has all their albums. Totally, yeah. And put it on random. Um, this is, it's, it's weird. 
it says this, this is one of the three I used to drop the needle on because there's other doors in here. But I've thought about that since, and it's I don't think it was this ever this one. It was always um, the number one that I always dropped the needle on was Weird Scenes Inside the Gold Mine. I've listened to that fucking album. It's a double album million times. I wonder if it was one of their live albums? Yeah, it came, I think it came after he was dead, which is like a live compilation, which is, or one of the live shows. Anyways, that to me, I looked at that the most. And there was another one in the collection that I don't think we're too far away from. And, and now the name escapes me and I can't remember. But I don't think it was 13. I don't remember. But I used to listen to, to the door stuff all the time. Um, well, and we've seen a lot of their live stuff on YouTube and whatnot. Yeah, well, we even have one of and their docu shows yeah. on, on DVD, I so think. So we know how crazy the shows can get. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just looking through, sorry, I'm just the, the pause here. I'm just looking through my notes. Um, so I guess I'll get into my stuff because unless you have any more notes and stuff to add. Not till the end, no. Yeah, exactly, not till the end, okay. Okay, I'll do mine. So 13, The Doors, uh, Electra Records, catalog EKS74079. This is a compilation, obviously. We've been talking about it. It's also a reissue. I don't know the year of this reissue. Um, you said this album came out in 71? 70? Uh, yeah, 71. Oh, 70, sorry, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I don't know. So we'll say I, this could probably be around 75. Um... Uh, the condition, the cover is actually, I have good, very good. Like, it's its amazing considering I, I know now how much it got used and played that this is actually <laughs> solid. I put, put good, very good condition, a bit of a condom ring. The sleeve is just plain paper. The vinyl is in very good condition overall in that there's no scratches. It's not, it's definitely, it's definitely worn, but it's not scratched up. It's not even scuffed up. It looks visually good, and it was fairly clean right out of the thing um now here's the, the the catch is the audio is very poor uh i can confirm that this was played extensively back in the day and not by me by my folks who own this stuff and even today just talking to my dad he's like yeah i but that was on like all the fucking time so that's why there's nothing left in terms of sound because there's nothing left um, which I understand, because, like, why not? Like, if you're yeah, at a exactly. party or something, boom, taking yeah. this. It's got all the shit you want to hear. Yeah. Um, where am I at again? So, oh, and, and, and the side, sorry, just on the side with the audio thing, it's a compilation, so even then, some of the songs, although they were all well-produced, there's a side, there were some slight variations in terms of quality for the songs. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that they have a producer on this album, given that it's a compilation. Generally, it's just... Yeah. Whoever happened to do that song. Maybe that producer so did all, produced all their... Yeah, he yeah. obviously produced a lot of their stuff or most of it. So Art Direction Design by Robert L. Himal. Um, front photo by William S. Harvey. And back photo by Edmund Teske. Uh, so Robert, American painter, art director, designer, photog. Um, he did a book called uh, Cover Stories that people should check out. Uh, as an art director for Electra Records, uh, Arista Records, plus many more, uh, Bob designed album covers for some of the biggest bands. Um, also, uh, part of AGI. AGI is really starting to spread out here because, yeah, it okay. because it comes up again for Supertramp as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Bob has got uh, over 540 credits to his name, has worked with Harry Chapin, Lou Rawls, Barry Manilow, Queen, 
honestly, he's fucking bonkers. Check out his stuff. He's still alive and still active. Is he on Instagram? Oh shit! That's Didn't one thing. I, that's one thing I haven't done is look up for Instagram. So check him. Maybe he's on Instagrams. But yeah, he's responsible for a lot of some pretty crazy covers. Pretty crazy covers. So check that out. And his name again is Robert L. H e i m a l l. Hayball. Okay, going on. William, friend of the show. We got one other album of his in the collection, which is Rhinoceros. A lot of Rhinoceros connections to this album in roundabout ways. Yeah, it's not interesting. It was, uh, yeah, just a one-off album that, yeah. that got... <laughs> and it's got little tentacles out everywhere. That we both enjoyed a lot. So William, art director and then exec VP of creative services over at Electra, uh, at Electra Records, in the, in the uh, 60s and 70s, and a bit of the 80s. Over 500, oh, what, what wrong guy? Am I reading the right guy? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Are you reading? Oh the right no, guy? I am. Uh, sorry. I just the, the numbers of credits that these guys, the, the number of credits these guys have for their names. So yeah, okay. So Robert had four, five hundred and forty. So William has five hundred and eighty credits to his name, and really has worked on when you worked on a five hundred and eighty things in terms of album covers. You've you've worked on fucking everything. Um, Stooges, MC Five, Doors, Rhinoceros, but like it's just lots. Lots and lots. Okay, and uh, last but not least, Edmund, an American photographer who combined a, a who combined a career of taking portraits of artists, musicians, and entertainers with a prolific uh, output of experimental photography. I actually borrowed that from his actual bio. Yeah, and that is. It looks like they've he's placed an invisible quilt over top. Like yeah, that's what it talks about overlaying. It's all textured. And yeah, yeah. Well, he his use of techniques such as combined prints. Montages and solarizations led to an often romantic, romantic, mysterious images. Yeah, and that's a perfect black cover, for, back cover for the doors. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely check out. Once again, I'm just like skimming over the very surface of this. The guy's got a lot of work out there, and I'm doing a terrible job of covering it. Um, and in fact, I didn't even write down what else he's done, which is really strange of me. Um, he's done lots of stuff, so check it out, Edmund. Teske. T-E-S-K-E. But there's also lots of other people who like taking photos with that same name. So good luck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to look at my notes and shit real quick. Uh, so yeah, just a, a complaint about the audio quality, but uh, what do you got? What else you got? So I, I'm done. I just like... Yeah, I just... Um, a huge amount of shit there that I'm just giving over. Yeah, and what's not to like about this album yeah yeah it's got all kinds of good songs on it it's an actual like i'm pretty sure the band put it together it's actual hits from start to finish you just put it on you don't have to worry about it no every song is gonna be like good yeah. rock man. except it's missing brothers and storm the end the end like the, the, the big lover madly yeah, yeah the, the bigger longer so they should have called it 16 out of those three songs <laughs> <laughs> so um, Discogs, yeah. uh, back down to my Discogs uh, information. Yep. Nine for sale from $10. 277 have it. 24 want it. The average rating is 4.1 out of 5 with 21 ratings. Um, the album's in its worst condition, 14. Median condition, 16. And in its best condition, 21. Hmm. Yeah. Which, um, not getting 21, you might get... The money for the case in this one, but the, the vinyl's worth nothing. 
Yeah. On this. Um, so what'd you give it? I give it four to five. Yeah, me too. Yeah, like I mean, but and we know it's a compilation. Like, what do you what do you want from it? It's exactly what you want. Yeah. It's not a bunch of filler. It's just wall to wall radio hits. So short. Yeah. Four to five. Is it their best album or their best compilation? No, probably not. Probably not. But we both enjoyed the hell of it. Yeah, and it's pretty rare. Enjoyed so. the hell out of yeah, it. There you go. I knew what you meant. Everybody knew what you meant. First day of my new mouth. Yeah, <laughs> just breaking it in. Uh, okay, then, Thir- Doors 13 Down. Okay, Bob Dylan, Highway 61 Revisited. I didn't do a whole bunch of um, stuff. I don't tell you a whole bunch of stuff about Bob Dylan because we just recently... Just recently, yeah. Um, so I talk a little bit more about the album, but in case you don't know who Bob Dylan is... He's an American singer, songwriter, author, and visual artist. He's a major pop culture figure. Highway 61 Revisited is his sixth studio album, Mm. released in 1965. Up until now, Dylan had recorded mostly acoustic music on his album. Um, He actually used rock musicians on his backing band for every song on this album except Desolation Row, which is the closing song. Uh, the album peaked at number three on the U.S. charts and number four in the U.K. The album was ranked number four on the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums of All Times. Uh, like a Rolling Stone, the first track on the album was a top ten hit in several countries and was listed number one on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. As was Desolation Row, it was slotted in at 187. And Highway 61 Revisited was listed at 373 Hmm. um, on the same list. Uh, There's so much interesting info on this album that you can find. Like, it goes right down it. It gives you details on, like, what the songs were about, how they were written. So if you're so inclined to learn more about this album and Bob Dylan, please uh, go take a a look and be prepared to read a bunch Mm -hmm. but it would be worth your time oh definitely yeah the producer on this album is bob johnston an american record producer known for his work with bob dylan johnny cash leonard cohen and simon and garfunkel the track listing on this album Mm -hmm. uh, side one like a rolling stone tombstone blues it takes a lot to laugh it takes a train to cry Uh, from a buick six Ballad of a Thin Man. Side 2 is Queen Jane Approximately, Highway 61 Revisited, Just Like Tom Thumb's Blues, and Desolation Road. The Row. Uh, row, sorry. <laughs> the um, playtime on this album is 51 minutes and 29 seconds. Yeah, another long one. He packed them in there, man. He did. It like that's like max for the vinyl. There were two, three, four singles from this album. Like a Rolling Stone, From a Buick Six, Queen at Jane, approximately, which I love the title of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Highway, One, Highway 61 Revisited. Uh, to put it into context with his discography, um, Bringing It All Back Home, he released in 1965, just before this. Yeah. And in 1966, an album which I hope is in the collection, Blonde on Blonde. Yeah, so like, what's your... What's your take on this one? I really like this album. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
it was it was the Dylan album that I was waiting for because we listened to the last one and I although I enjoyed it uh, you were right in that it was just like so monotone and long like like long and but this one this is the one I was waiting for yeah I I really like it in fact I would say that yeah I mean it's just such a it's such a good fucking album like this is to me when I think of Bob Dylan and enjoying Bob Dylan this is this is it right here well and and I think it has to do too with the um, addition of Rock musicians? Yeah, it's a, it's a very rock blues oriented album, which yeah. which the other one wasn't. I mean, like, I mean, yeah, I, I fucking never realized how much I actually really enjoyed Ballad of a Thin Man. That's such a good song. Yeah, I think they should call it Mr. Jones. <laughs> Either way, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, like Rolling Stone's been covered so many times by so many things. There's so many bands, but there's so many good songs on here, too, and... Desolation Row, it's funny because it reminds me of uh, one of those bands, like My Chemical Romance or something. They, they did a cover of it for um, you know that show we just watched in HBO, The Watchmen. Oh, right. For the movie version of The Watchmen, they did a cover of Des- Desolation Row. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, so I, yeah. Fuck, I mean, I, if we're going to go and give it, like, are we going to give it star ratings now? Because this is, I don't know what else. It's weird. When we get to the really good albums, I don't know what to say because it's so fucking good. Well, yeah, and, and you, don't wanna, you don't want to seem like a homer. No, and it's and just saying, like, oh, this album is so good. It, it is. But it was number one on the top 500 lists of all time. Oh, yeah. Three of the songs are on the list of 500 of the songs. The greatest songs, yeah. Like, how can you not like that? This is just like straight, this is his most straightforward, streamlined. You're going to get Bob Dylan and the most kind of rocking that you're going to get him. Uh, I, for me, I, I don't know if we, do we usually give our out of fives? No, nope, not, not yet. Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll hold off on that then. Okay, so I'm just going to go through my notes real quick before I get into my shit. Um, yeah, there's things I mentioned, things I mentioned, and those two things are, <laughs> those two things are for when I'm done my stuff. So I'll do my shit now. Okay. Highway 61 Revisited, Bob Dylan, Columbia Records, Catalog, KS9189. Uh, Canada, 75, because this is a reissue. So it's like a 10-year reissue of this album. In condition, the cover is good. Uh, it's a little bit faded, a little bit worn, but it's not ripped or stained, and it's got good corners and spine. Like, it's actually one of the few vinyls I've been able to flat out read the entire spine. So that, that's pretty good, considering its age. Yeah. And use. Another another high high play, high rotation one. And if it wasn't high use, why not? Yeah, yeah. On a sleeve, it's plain paper, and it's super old, so it's probably the original plain paper in there. It, uh, it's one of those ones where I'm afraid if I actually touch it and take it out, it'll just crumble. Oh, jeez. Uh, the final is very good condition. There's no scratches. It's clean, but the audio was poorish. Uh, it's better than The Doors, but obviously this album got played a lot, and it's got a weird dividend around the outside edge. That's kind of odd, so the needle sits in a weird position, too, so... Yeah, it's weird. They all both both these this and the doors looked really good, but sounded like shit. Uh, and you know, this Bob Dylan, no matter what album it is, neither one of them. Like, it's not been like a, a huge sound field where it's a big production. It's you know, we have in his guitar and shit like that. So, um, where am I at? Cover artwork and photography by Daniel Kramer. Uh, Daniel, uh, a New York-based photographer and film director, has uh, long been recognized for his uh, portraits and picture stories. 
in uh, national and, and international magazines and galleries. Um, previously on the show with Janis Joplin's Greatest Hits. He did the photo of the Greatest Hits. I also worked with Gordon Lightfoot, uh, Ian Sylvia, Big Brother of the Holding Company. Oh, interesting. A lot of Canadian bands. I've uh, got a huge amount of work out there in his galleries. Like, there's tons and tons. Once again, fucking super influential. I'm not giving enough time. We could honestly, some of these guys, we could we can go from not having, we have zero information on these people to we could do episodes on these fucking people. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Please check it out. I don't know. Uh, no, he doesn't have a website that goes anywhere, does anything. I don't know about Instagram. I've probably checked before with the Joplin one. So if we don't follow him, then he probably doesn't exist on there. Um, and that's it. That's just that. That's it. The credit. Yeah, because there's only the photo in the back of the album. And the rest of it is from, like, when they were doing the sessions, yeah. and, which is still done by the same guy. So It's all text. I will say yeah. that. So the, this photo on the cover, uh, he captured that a few weeks before they started the recording sessions for the album. It's Bob Dylan sitting in his manager's apartment with his friend Bob New- Newworth. Uh, he's actually just in the shot for added color. Because originally it was just him, Dylan, sitting there looking kind of pissed off. And yeah, he does. And he's like, his buddy, he's like, he's just like, just move over a little bit for the color contrast, right? Gotcha. So, yeah. So that oh, was... that's interesting. So, and, uh, and on the back is just another one of those. It was on the other album we had where Bob Dylan just has this poem story uh, that I, honestly, I'm not reading. He's definitely a wordsmith. He likes, he likes his words. Yeah. He likes, uh, just like in that one song where he had 20 pages of fucking what do you call a vomit, verbal vomit or whatever. <laughs> it's funny because his recent albums, he just mumbles. Me, me, me. Yeah. <laughs> just mumbles through them. So I hope we have more Bob Dylan in the uh, collection. I'm, I'm sure we will. Um, okay, that's it for me. I'm... Especially Blonde on Blonde. I really want to hear that album. Okay. So on Discogs, they yeah. have five for sale right now from $33.50. Mm. 958 people have this album, 485 want it. The average rating, 4.59 out of of 5, with 88 people chiming in. Hmm. Um, In its worst condition, $20.10. Median condition, $30.06. And in its best condition, $45.17. So we probably could get the $30 for it. Yeah, the vinyl's, like I said, it's in great looking condition, but it doesn't sound the greatest because it's worn. Right. It's worn down, yeah. So, I gave this album five out of five. Me too. Five out of five. Yes, absolutely. I know it's fucking boring doing that, but, I mean, damn, what else do you it want from, like, one of the greatest albums of all it time? It is what it is. <laughs> Dylan Down. Now, this is the stinky one of the episode. This is the spoiler alert. <laughs> It's stinky in here now. <laughs> Super Tramp, famous last words. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Super Tramp was an English rock band formed in London in 1969. They blended progressive rock and pop styles, um, and they made themselves stand out by using a Wurlitzer piano and a saxophone. Yeah, we know about the saxophone. Doug's favorite, you know, favorite instrument. Famous last words was released in 1982. It was their seventh studio album, and the last album to be released by the classic lineup of the band. It reached number five on Billboard charts. Fucking amazing. And was certified gold, which is excess of 500,000 copies sold. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, how that, how it reached number five, I do not know. On Based on the strength of the two or three singles of it, on it, I guess. Uh, the producers were super tramped themselves. Yeah. The track listing. Mm -hmm. Crazy, put on your old brown shoes. It's raining again. Bonnie, know who you are. Side two is my kind of lady. C'est la bonne. Waiting so long and don't leave me now. The play length of the record is 47 minutes and 33 seconds. Oh my god, yeah. Too long. And it spurned five singles. <laughs> it's amazing to me. Which song? We listened to this again. I couldn't even get through listening to the singles again on this. Crazy. It's raining again. My kind of lady. Waiting so long. And don't leave me now. And just an honorable mention, Anna Nancy Wilson yeah. did uh, background vocals on "Put on Your Old Brown Shoes" and "C'est la Bonne." They could not. Which save neither it. neither of those were singles. Release singles. Oh, figures. Honestly, I I don't know what people in 1981 were fucking thinking if how this could be such a big. Because I know that the Supertramp album before this wasn't that great. So no, the Super Press album be, or Super Tramp album before this mm. was called Paris, which I've never heard never of. Never heard of, yeah. It yeah. was released in 1980. Totally. And the after release was called Brother, Where You Bound. Um, which was more like, at that point, which was like scrapings, leftovers. It, it was basically just the lead singer and keyboardist and the rest of the band because they broke up after this album. Yeah, and I think some of the songs off that this album, the album after were just leftovers from this that didn't make it on there. Yeah, and, well, I don't know about that because. Um, yeah, because their one hits the 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 single, the sixteen minute song off the next one. Rick Davies was, was and the other guy was Hodgson. Yeah, Roger Hodgson. Roger Hodgson. They used to co-write all the albums together. Oh, for sure, yeah. And until it came to this one, they lived miles apart in California. They knew they had to do this album. They each Just wrote did it in their own, separately in their own studios, yeah. and they came together and found out that they even they each their had their styles were concepts. totally wrong, yeah. So this one had written hard like hard driving shit, and the other one had written soft poppy shit. Yeah. And so so this album was nothing. Yeah. The worst, it, like the worst of two worlds. Why they even bothered, I don't know. Although they got five songs at it and probably made a shit ton of money. Well, yeah, and like I was reading an interview from uh, Roger Hodgson in 2015 where he's just like it was a garbage album that they wish they wouldn't have done because well, they had no it was the band was over at that stage yeah. and they were just like stringing it out and it was garbage music and Well, <laughs> and they went on to make a few more albums after this. But not in this uh, like form. Like Audium, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um But whatever, yeah, that's not the same band at that point. Yeah, exactly. Well, they had the lead singer. Yeah. Which is the identifier, right? And so honestly, that's this how is, they could get away with it. But this it. is the worst. This is the worst thing a musician, especially when we, we've already covered Crime of the Century, which is a fucking incredible album. Oh, yeah. And then you get to this, and it's just, this is, I honestly, musicians out there, don't let it get to this. Don't be, oh, we'll just get together, we'll throw to us some stuff. Just, just don't, because it fucking pisses me off. It's a huge waste of time. It's so much soft nothing, and uh, it's like cotton candy, and like, it's nothing. I just, it pisses Dumb. Can you, uh, and they, these are the same guys that made Breakfast in America. It's yeah. just frustrating as yeah, fuck. Yeah, it is. It is to see them come to this. God damn it. Okay, I'll get my shit over with now. I think we've both made it clear that we do not like this. Even though you knew at least one of the singles. 
Oh yeah, because Radio Play, right? Radio Play, yeah, and these are like the yeah. I mean, I I did not definitely did not own this album. No. Um, Honestly, I, did, I didn't even the know. The other it was two you mentioned, yeah. yes. I didn't even know it was an album until we looked at it. I was like, Super Tramp did this. And Famous Last Words is such a fitting title. Like, yeah, yeah. Really. And I have to say, before I get into it, we've been trashing it. I really like the cover. The cover is really kind of cool. Yeah, it is. It's somebody walking on a tight a tightrope walker, <laughs> and someone's got a pair of scissors to it. I mean, it's perfect for where the band for ended. where the band was, yeah. yeah it's yeah. also telling it's about so, the end. So much effort went into such a shitty album. So, uh, anyways... So famous last words, <clears throat> Super Tramp, uh, A&M Records, catalog SP3732, Canada 82, this is an original run, uh, yeah, I hope they got it for cheap, because <laughs> it definitely hasn't been played very much. Uh, oh yeah, it's in still pretty good condition. Yeah, I was going to say, condition, uh, the, is, I put fairish only because there's some of the spine in the corner up here took a bit of a shit kicking, but other than that, when I look at it, I was like, yeah, wow, that's still in pretty good condition. Um, so sleeve is a full color sleeve, original, in good condition. Uh, vinyls in good, no scratches. wasn't wasn't really that dirty. It was it looked kind of newish, and the audio was okay because it had never been played before. So <laughs> it was like new, but I mean, even the sound feel was kind of flattish and bullshitty. Like they just did not fucking care at this stage of the album or at this stage of the career with it, and it's just. Them not giving a shit shows in this album. Yeah. Um, so art direction, design, and cover art by Mike Dowd and Norman Moore. Uh, photography by Jules Jules Bates and Tom Gibson. So um, Mike Dowd, he's recently been on the show with Hearts Little Queen. Art director and designer worked at work, worked at a AM, a and M before being appointed head of AGI. So here goes the AGIs again. It's so weird. That it's so hard to find specific information about that company, but there's so many people that work for it, and they've done so many covers. I'm starting to wonder now. I don't know what's going on. So Norman NormanMoore.com, uh, art art director and designer with over 380 credits to his name, uh, worked at MCA Records before starting his own studio. I just said once again, this is another one of those cases. I'm not doing it justice. Check out his check out his covers and stuff. It's fantastic. Hart, he's worked with Hart, Trooper, The Police, Aerosmith. It goes on, and they're all, they're all covers that you guys recognize, responsible for. Fucking amazing. Look at this to me. Uh, so Tom, photographer with 50 credits to his name. Uh, Kenny Rogers, Rick Springfield, Pat Benatar. Absolutely no bio. When I did a search for his name, which was Tom something, Gibson, it came up with missing... They never found a missing kid named Tom Gibson, and there's an actor named Tom Gibson. <laughs> He's been missing for like 20 years. That's a long time. So nothing came up about what this would be. There is a Tom Gibson photography. It's a woman, and she's like my age. So I, and I don't want a woman named Tom. It's fucking bonkers. But I, I mean, Maybe sorry. Her name was Tom Cena. Tom. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. And me being putting my. What would that be? Your gender... Gender bias. Yeah, there it is. Fucking terrible. I'm, I'm worse than Hitler, I guess. You're, you're part of the problem. I'm part of the problem. I am. Oh, my God. Well, at least you've acknowledged it. This now we'll work on it. show's over now. <laughs> uh, Jules, a California-based art director and photog, co-founded Art Trouble. Art Trouble is just like Art Trouble, but it's all smashed together. With David Allen. Uh, it was a studio. Uh, worked with many... 
um, emerging punk, new wave, and rock bands. Most notably, his work with Devo, uh, The Dickies, and Peter Frampton uh, stand out um, out of his 36 credits. So, um, yeah. I said, my really, I didn't have notes. I've, I've said everything I've had to say. The cover is the best thing about the album. Fuck this album. So what do you got? Uh, Discogs Facts. One for sale at $2.50. $2.50. That's too much. Uh, 46 have it. Four want it. Ugh. Uh, 2.0 or a two, 2 out of 5 rating with one rating. Somebody was being a little bit generous that day. <laughs> that, that one rating is actually me. And yes, I meant to go back and change it. <laughs> ah, oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, I... <laughs> I'm the only one who's rated that. <laughs> because I thought for sure when it got to the point where we talked about what we were rating it, you're gonna be like zero. Yeah, no, and and I'm and not to skip ahead, but zero is what I end up giving it. <laughs> I, oh, you were feeling generous. That I was, day. I was. We just started it and I was like we had listened to two great albums. I was like I was putting it out and like, this is fine, you know, this is it's shitty, you know, I'm not gonna listen to it again, but it's zero. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so funny. So please, change it in Discogs to zero. So this album is $5.99, no matter what condition it's yeah. in, $5.99 across uh, the board. Whatever. And I give it a 1.5 out of 5. Well, I, I give it zero, and I couldn't recommend anything off of it. I really couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to change that too. Okay, that's it. <laughs>